Welcome to Best Served, a podcast recognizing unsung hospitality heroes. Join Chef Jensen Cummings as he chops it up with industry leaders about the humans who've impacted their lives and careers. From childhood guides, to ass-kicking mentors, to the team members in the trenches that make it all happen. Help us celebrate these rock stars by sharing our show and nominating your own unsung hospitality heroes. Connect with us on social media at Best Served Podcast. Now here is your host. What's up, everybody? Jensen Cummings here. Thank you, as always, for tuning in. Today is Best Served Podcast 307. We're talking about a rare hiring success story. I'm so excited about this. This is such a personal story in Workplaces Worth Working, episode one, kind of launching this new series as Workplaces Worth Working. You know, you've heard me mention that quite a few times. It's important for us to really evaluate creating an equitable workplace, a sustainable workplace, the hiring process, employee satisfaction, reflecting on our on our own challenges in the past and how we kind of move forward in building a new model for the restaurant industry. We've highlighted a lot of the horror stories. And again, I think it's important for us to, to have real conversations about what it is that we've done poorly in the past, what we want to build on, the strengths that we have as individuals, as businesses, as an industry. So definitely check that out. Sophie will drop that in the comments for sure, the series on uh, table side where we really dove into some of the workers' experience. And this one was really great because it's so personal. So I want to bring in uh, Jason Gottsfeld to speak with us. Jason, good to see you. Good to see you. Thank you for having me. Uh, I'm honored to have you on. Just to give everyone just a quick personal background, you and I uh, have been friends and worked together way back in 2009 when we opened Tag Restaurant together. Was it that long ago? 12 years ago. Uh, and unbelievable. And then we also worked together as executive chef and general manager at Row 14 and uh, and have stayed connected throughout the years. And so I uh, appreciate that. And this was interesting for me. I'd lay a little bit of groundwork for people. You, like so many of us, needed to get the hell out of this, this industry. And so you spent some time outside the industry. You contacted me recently, kind of as you're like thinking about getting back into the restaurant scene. And then this opportunity with Catavella came about. And so first I want to know, let us all know kind of, what sparked you to get back into the uh, industry? What was the catalyst for you? Um, I think there are a handful of things. You know, I mean, for me, my biggest passions when it comes to doing things on a daily basis that I really love are working with numbers. And I've been doing that for the last handful of years. What I've been missing is the customer service interaction. Yeah. And, you know, I know a lot of people in our industry get, you know, they like to move around all day. It's tough for them to sit still at a desk. Like, I miss the people and being able to provide an experience for people. You know, that that was really my biggest thing. You know, seeing people come into your restaurant on a daily basis and kind of making their day by giving them that exceptional food, that exceptional service. Because without both of them, it just really doesn't work. Yeah, I appreciate that. So appreciate you kind of finding your way back to that. Uh, but it was a challenge for you. And it's a challenge for so many. Uh, lay out some of the challenges that you face, kind of looking at that, like looking at your resume again, looking at the kind of jobs that you wanted to get into, looking at your past history, where you wanted to go, kind of break down some of the challenges you faced. 
I mean, I feel like I've spent most of my career, you know, I mean, I got started in this business when I was 18 years old. Three days after I was 18, I started bartending. Um, and I've always been driven to work my way up. You know, I've always had my sights set on, you know, how can I get to a higher position? I was never really satisfied with where I was. And a lot of the feedback that I was getting at this point in time in my life is, you you've done so much you're overqualified for this you're gonna you're gonna leave me in six months or a year and the only reason why you're even applying is because covid and you want a job um yeah i I completely feel it jason i'm interested then for you when you when you hear that you know and you're looking at your own resume and you are quote unquote, overqualified. I think we're always underqualified or overqualified because we don't actually know what the job is a lot of times because the restaurant industry is so fluid. Every day is different. You don't know in any given moment, you, Jason, could be overqualified for that situation or underqualified for that situation. That's one of the massive challenges within a restaurant. So when you were communicating before Catavella, let's talk about some of the, the other interactions you were having kind of getting into the job market. When you were having those interactions, how were you responding to that? Or what was the personal narrative you were telling yourself? Like, no, I'm the right fit because of X, Y, and Z. You know, I think we've all either been on interviews or applied for jobs that we didn't get and we've walked away and really been like, I, I don't get it. Like, I, I just don't understand. Like, uh, I can do this job and I want to do this job. And for some reason or another, you know, it, it didn't happen. And, you know, for me, I had, and we'll get into, I'm sure, more of the hiring process later, but I just had so many places not even call me back. Right. You know, and then I did get the opportunity where I had some interviews and I got offered some jobs and it just didn't feel right and like it was going to be home for me. So, you know, I, I was desperately searching to, to find that home. And after, you know, a little period of time, like it, it definitely beats you down. Yeah. Yeah, you get kind of fatigued by the whole process. I, I feel you there. This is something interesting. You mentioned finding a home. And, and this is such a polarizing thing because we talk about a home, we talk about a family, and also it's a job. So like sometimes we struggle to understand where and how we fit into that, where the, the actual boundaries of that are. So I, I want to touch on that a little bit because one of the things that we talk about a lot is like a job story. Like I want us to start telling more meaningful stories versus just saying, here's a job. However, I want there to be clarity about what the job actually is so that we have a path to success. And I think we struggle on both sides of that equation. And so one of the things that when you and I were interacting and you were going for this job at Catavella, you had messaged me. I started texting with Elise, who we're going to hear from in a moment, and kind of was was kind of hearing both sides of what you guys were thinking and, and what the what the opportunities or challenges might be. And it was, you know, for, and I'll let Elise kind of speak to this specifically what her thought process was, but it felt like it was kind of not going to be uh, uh, the job. You were not going to be getting quote unquote, the job that, that you were going for. And then I interacted with you. And I says, you have to tell Elise a different story. Everybody has the same piece of paper, the same resume, the, some of the same experiences, the same outlooks. And so you had gone to Catavella with your mother. I love it. 
and you had a great experience. And I was like, you should tell Elise about that experience because it's going to show who you are, the vision that you have, the experiences that you recognize that were so immensely valuable and heartfelt to you that Elise is working so hard that Zuri, their whole team is working so hard to accomplish. And you could highlight some of the things that you see that might be an opportunity for improvement. So that was long-winded, I apologize. But Jason, kind of break that down for, for us a little bit. When you told that story, that was very different when you gave Elise feedback on your experience. You know, that because of the timing and the way things worked out with that, you know, I was hoping to have that in a, in a conversation because, you know, anytime I go to a restaurant, you know, I have mental notes of everything I'm seeing and replaying back. And, you know, I'll admit, like, I had kind of, you know, just felt like, okay, th this isn't going to happen. Uh, I kind of give up. And, you know, you definitely told me, listen, whether it happens or not, you should definitely still say it. And I think at least definitely got to see all the things that I pay attention to in a restaurant that's going on in it. Um, she also got to see how long-winded I can be uh, when it comes to put, putting some of those out. I think it was about 2,500 words. Yeah, yeah, I, de I definitely uh, helped you a little bit. Uh, uh, full disclosure, cutting that down because it was uh, it was yeah, long way. Sure. It was a little, a little bit too you. long. It was like one hundred percent you, your expression. It was everything that was coming from both your your heart and your head, and it was you on paper saying, "This is what I feel." when I had an experience at Catavella. This is what I you love know, about that experience. I want to make sure everybody has. And these are the things that I think we can improve upon. I think it's great. Yeah. And for me, like, I needed it to be me and not someone else. Because like I said, I'm looking for a home, a family, and a future. And I really needed at least to see who I was. Not who I was trying to be, but, you know, who I am as a person. Because, you know, when an owner takes on a general manager, you know, we might not technically have like the equity and the loans and whatnot, but you're taking on a partner, you know, sure. it, it's really similar to a marriage or, you know, something along those lines where you have to be happy about who that person is as a person and what their values are. And then also like be happy to see them every day coming in. Yep. I hear you there. Well, let's bring Elisa in here. And I love it. You guys are both uh, going to be on together with us. You're at the restaurant. I can, I can hear all the clanging in the background uh, because it's it's a restaurant and you got shit to do. So I appreciate you guys taking the time. Uh, Elise, uh, I'm so happy that you got Jason, one of my favorite people, uh, one of the people that has challenged me to think differently more in my career than maybe anybody else. And so I appreciate that. Uh, that you guys are, are able to work together. And and both of you are, are such strong Italian personalities. So I love it. I love everything about it. So Elise, before we talk about uh, Jason, uh, let's let's touch on a little bit of, of your struggles. I know that you've had struggles like everybody else of kind of finding the right fit, of navigating the, the, the talent pool right now, of navigating how to position your business. So lay it out for us. What are the couple of the top of mind uh, struggles that you've had as of recent? Yeah, well, um, I think it's always a challenge to get um, people that will be able to subscribe to your, your vision and your goals and kind of your bar that you set. 
and even being out, out here in Stapleton, when we first opened, it was difficult to get people to come out here. You know, everybody kind of works downtown or around that area. So, you know, we struggled in the beginning for that. Then COVID hit, we're clicking and we've got, you know, enough staff and doing well. And then COVID hit and, you know, laying off staff and then trying to hire staff back on, not necessarily always the same, then laying staff off again. And, you know, my, my struggle is, that I, you know, I'm glad people are getting money. I really am. Um, but it's preventing people from applying you know they're writing it and i even had an employee straight up to my face one time say you know i'm making almost the same amount of money and not having to work and when am i going to get this opportunity again and so bravo to him for being honest and you know he's the only one that was really honest and and uh, forthright with how he's feeling but i know that's the opinion of a lot of employees that are out there um, so and you're talking specifically about unemployment assistance at the moment, right? Yeah, in regards to, to COVID and you know the extra checks and things like that, it's really preventing people from coming back. And um, you know, so it, it has been a struggle. So, like Jason and I were just talking about it this morning, we have so many applicants, you know, and so many won't respond, and even the ones that do respond and say that they're going to come in for an interview, then this don't show up, you know? I mean, maybe 5% of total applicants, once we kind of go through all the beginnings, um, we're trying to recruit them and get them to come in, we might get one, maybe two, to show up for, you know, their appointment. And I know it's just because they're going through the motions of doing it, so they're compliant with their unemployment, and it's just been really really hard um getting people that want to come in and and be committed you know so for better or worse and, and i want to challenge us as a whole for, for better or worse in this process uh has it had you reevaluate anything as far as what the job what the work what what is actually being offered not just that you have to like pay people more per se uh, have you shifted culture, benefits, education, anything else like that that you feel is uh, having an impact on at least the staff that you have in place to maybe lay groundwork for future staff? Yeah. yeah. So the way we've had to pivot is obviously not financial because, you know, we're in the hole with COVID. Um, yeah. And so yeah. with the PPP, you know, you had to spend that really quick. Um um, but what we've done is we've had to hire a whole bunch of um, part-timers. Like, I have an army <laughs> of, of kids. You know, they're anywhere between 14 and, say, 17, maybe 18. Um, and having to work around their schedules with soccer or, you know, football or whatever it is or ACTs that they're studying for, you know, it has been, you know, a, a big struggle, but if it wasn't for them, we wouldn't have anybody. So having that flexibility of really working with a lot of a lot of kids has really helped us as far as blessing positions and, you know, dishwashing positions, food running, hosting, all that kind of good stuff. And, and now bar backing, um, you know, that that's how we pivoted. I mean, because, you know, un, I mean, the minimum wage just went up. Talking about getting hit again and again and again, yeah. you know, having, you know, even tipped employees have their minimum wage go up. That's what hurts, you know, because we've already, we've always paid our, 
or cooks a higher wage, and I've been doing that for over a decade. And that's the only way you're going to get quality in the kitchen. But what's kind of saved us as far as the tipped employees is that it was a lower wage. Well, now that's gone up. And so, I mean, anybody that's in the building has to get paid a lot. And so that was a huge impact. So forget about adding on top of that. There's just no way. Um, so, yeah, that's yeah. the only way we've really pivoted is just a lot of part time. Yeah. That's a whole other series of episodes about tipped wage, tips in general, tip pooling, all of that is a huge, huge topic that I think will be the future of our industry is very much embedded in our ability to understand tipping as a culture or take tipping out of the equation or tip wages, all of these different things. The word tip is going to be in a lot of conversations moving forward. But let's get back to, to this. We're talking success story. I'm excited again that the two of you have come together, two of my favorite people in the Denver restaurant scene to say the least. So that uh, that that one piece, when, when Jason sent that to you and you were interacting with me and, and, and you know, I felt like, I felt like the two of you were such a great fit Yet I felt like a lot of the business model, a lot of the challenges you're going through, a lot of the timing, a lot of the financials, we're potentially going to keep the two of you apart. I was just like, we can't have that. Jason, you have so much to say. Get it on paper, because I think at least in a moment of, of levity, late at night with a glass of wine is going to read that and say, this is a person I need to be a part of my team. So talk about that when you were reading that. What, what did it feel like? What, what was your sense of reading about Jason's experience? Yeah, well, I mean, circling back to what y'all talked about, I was afraid. I saw that, you know, he had this really awesome position where he's in, you know, worked from here, but was over in Aspen. And I'm like, dude, what are you doing here? Like, I, I'm going to lose you. That's my greatest fear. It's like, you've gotten up so high that I'm like, do you really want to be back on the floor? Because I know so many people that are in, in the industry that, Burnout is a real thing. We grind and grind in our 20s and our 30s. And then, you know, by the time in the 30s and 40s, people are just cashed out. You know, this this business is a meat grinder. And so I was worried um, that he wasn't going to be interested in doing that. But, you know, I was salivating at the fact that he had so much RSI um, experience, which is, you know, the restaurant accounting system that we use here. And I have been a one-man show for four years, like doing all of the back-of-the-house stuff, everything. Um, and so I just was desperate to find someone that knew it. And then RSI was immediately switching over to a whole new software. And I'm like, right. oh, my God, like, how am I going to do all this? Because I'm also on the floor and handling all the marketing and all that special yeah. events so when Jason said I worked at RSI for four years, I was like, oh, my God, you know, <laughs> and you, know, yes. even talking to you, Jensen, like you were like, you know, he is a numbers dude. Like he loves that stuff. He loves all of that stuff that I hate. Yeah, I hate it. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I, I obviously do it, can do it, done it like, but I just hate it. You know, I'd rather be in the trenches, on the floor, handling all the other stuff, bringing that business in, then focusing on all the, the crap in the back. You got to have aces in their places. And too often, just because we can, because we figure shit out, we just do the thing like, like an RSI. And the reality mm -hmm. is 
you're actually losing money every time you're doing something on RSI at least, whereas Jason is amplifying the worth of your business every time that he's on RSI. So I agree. I love it. Oh, no. And my, I mean, when he came in, I was like, listen, like, you know, the, the team, you know, for the most part is strong. You know, they there's there's little things always that you can improve upon service and stuff. But we have a strong, strong following, you know, both for the food and for our, our, our servers. Um, but I told him, I said, my bar is a hot mess. Like the, the, the accounting side, the inventory side, the costs have not been right on just, uh, you know, They'll, they'll count a case as one bottle or one bottle as a case, and then the price isn't right, and it was never updated. And so I told Jason, I'm like, I'm telling you right now, that's a hot mess, and I need help to straighten it out because we haven't had an accurate liquor cost um, or liquor, beer, and wine cost in, I don't know, since the first year we opened. And, you know, again, that's something that I just I could not tackle. It's like we're making money. That part I know. But I really want to get accurate costs. So of course, I was like, sick Jason on. I was like, Jason, you got to get in there and get this straight for me, you know, and so we can really get some organization. And I think that that's one of the many great things that Jason provides is that that kind of analytical mind and being able to create kind of systems and organization as far as the the backbone of, you know, costs and things like that. So it's been it's been lovely to know that I can push that off onto him and not have to really worry about it or focus on it. And I know there's movement with it. And, and for me, I'm like, oh, this is fun. Yeah. All right. So Elise, kind of getting back to, to what Jason was talking about in uh, in the breakdown of his experience. Right. He was both very complimentary and also had a lot to say about things he'd like to improve. So, again, when you're when you're reading something like that, I'm interested where your head goes. Sometimes we want and love the feedback. Other times it's like, wait, are you calling my kid ugly? So there's sometimes like this, like balancing act there. I want to find out for you when you're reading that specifically. How did you feel about what Jason was saying? No, I agreed completely. I said, what a breath of fresh air, you know, because I am not. The, I, I'm not the type of person that can't take feedback because that is the only way, the only way we build a strong team, we have trust with each other and that we grow, you know? And like Sozori that's been with me forever and Sosa that's been with me forever, there is a very tight um, trusting bond with each other that they can give honest feedback and I, I can too and then they don't take it personally. So when Jason sent that to me, I was elated because I want someone besides myself that has that eye and that is always seeking to improve, you know? It is often, they call me mama here because, you know, one, I'm just motherly, but also I, I, I'm, I'm constantly looking at the details. I, I've said this for years, the devil is in the details and We've got to constantly be focusing on that and taking action to make that better. Because if I'm seeing it, he's seeing it, that means other guests are seeing it and we're missing an opportunity to be better, you know, to, to grow and to be better. I want to be perceived as the best, most consistent, you know, restaurant as far as food and service in the whole state. And even beyond that, if, we, if it's possible. And I can't do that if I'm the only set of eyes, you know? I've got to have Jason here to be able to see that and then act upon That's the most important thing to me is that I don't want to have to go up and say, hey, will you do this and look at that person? I want him to be able to see 
what needs to be improved upon and then do it, you know, because too often I have, you know, or in the past I've had managers that just didn't want to do that. They wanted to be friends with the staff and be viewed as, you know, the cool person and, you know, the cool manager that comes right. and gets yeah, Jason doesn't like doesn't mind if nobody likes him. He's good. He's strong. He, <laughs> he can handle that. He's got broad shoulders. Uh, you just yeah. mentioned something that I think is interesting, Elise, and important because how do you, as the leader, go about empowering other leaders within your organization? Because our industry is notorious for giving titles without actual responsibility, right? That we just kind of have people that are bodies or hands that are taking up space because we're not good at defining the job and then empowering people to actually make their own decisions. So how do you go about practically doing that for somebody like Jason? Well, I mean, with Jason, he's still new. Like he's still like today, you know, we our website is Pop Menu. And so, you know, today we did a review of how to look at menus and change menus online. And, you know, so that's, it's kind of hard to answer that question right now because, um, and I can tell you how I feel because it circles back to what I just said, like, you know, give all the training, get him like completely enmeshed and immersed in everything that we do and the responsibilities, which is still happening. And then from there, make the decision. Like, I am not the the controlling type of person saying that, oh, you got to like come talk to me about everything you do. I don't want to do that. Like I want to be able to, you know, rely on him and say another manager to really make the right decisions and then tell me about it. Like just communicate with me to know where it is. And if you need and what's great about Jason is that he will always kind of ask me, what do you think about this? You know, and I, and I appreciate that. And if anything, I think Jason's, maybe still a little fearful about making a decision on his own um, because he wants to do the right thing all the time. And that's Absolutely. so lovely to me. Um, so during this training time, you know, lots of questions and that's fantastic and, you know, lots of learning. But then after that, the ideal world is where it's like, I don't have to worry about it anymore. And, you know, he, he even asked me, what do I need to do? What do I need to accomplish, you know, to be successful in your eyes? And I'm like, you got to knock out this, this, and this, you know, these items within a certain amount of time, and then you'll be a rock star to me. And one of the things was, you know, fixing the bar, you know, you got to get that inventory, get that done correctly, get that done, you know, take over like, you know, programming stuff into Aloha, you know, we have special events and stuff like that. So I'm not having to have to do that. And basically all the kind of functions of the back office and then helping us also switch to RSI. So beyond that, really, the, the perfect execution is where, you know, I'm, I'm entrusting him once he's got his training done, I'm entrusting in him to make the right decisions with staff, you know, with, the you know, all the staff, just, you know, guests, everything, um, you know, because we, we've, we've submitted to the airport. So we're trying to do that gig. Um, oh, we're waiting here to hear we go. Back so that's a whole nother thing that we're going to try and expand on. And I need... To have that that strength, you know, that's going to hold Catabella at the standards, and if not, raise it. Um, and so, Top three right now. The, three. I mean, I've seen the numbers for airport. I've been involved in pitches for the airport. The numbers are out of control. So I'm so glad that you have Jason sussing through the ridiculousness of what the number output is for even a small unit at the airport. So I appreciate that. I want to make a note to a manager managers out there real quick. 
what we do so often in this industry that is a huge vulnerability that always catches up with us is we fake it until we make it, right? And what I really like about what you said with Jason is like, Jason has the confidence to ask questions, to create a dialogue, to lay out scenarios that supposedly maybe somebody should quote unquote know the answer to. Yet the nuance and the details for your specific business, your specific team has to be taken into account, not some other copy and paste of something that they've done before. You can bring experience to the table. Managers do not fake until you make it. The confidence is saying, I need help. I want help. This is a, a marriage like, like uh, Jason said. So Jason, I appreciate that you're doing that because it shows confidence to me. I think that's also where managers make a lot of the mistakes. They want to come in, they want to change things to the way they see it, you know, but you want to know what? This place has been running for years without me. Elise has been cooking, managing, running businesses for years and years without me. For me to make this place successful, I need to keep it what she envisions it. So, you know, right now I've been here for about three weeks. Like I'm still trying to learn not only every detail of the restaurant, but every detail about Elise and what her vision is. Yes. So I can make sure that I'm carrying it out instead of just coming in and trying to change it to what I've done in the past or what I think. Like it has to be. And you know, Jason, what's interesting, you just nailed it on the head and like, you know, we'll interview like other managers coming in here to apply. The thing that I, it gets me and it happens a lot is people are not honest about their knowledge. We're willing to train, you know, we are willing to train. And so when we put it out there, hey, listen, you don't have to have a GM experience or an AGM experience, but you do have to have, you know, a willingness to really learn and have a positive attitude. And often we'll have someone come in and they will we'll ask them, well, how's your wine knowledge? And they'll say, well, it's a little, a little rusty. rusty. <laughs> and we're like, well, what does that mean? You know, so tell us what that means. Basically, AKA, they know the difference between white and red and that's <laughs> it. But, you know, we had a gentleman come in the other day and he was like, really, honestly, not, I don't have much wine knowledge. Like I know what I like. I'm, I'm used to doing Spanish wines or whatever. I can tell you about all kinds of different Spanish wines, but I don't have a background. And man, I was like, Dude, you are the one because you were so honest. And the thing is, like, yes. I don't know why people out there, and if anybody's listening and they're applying for a management position and they really, really, really want to be somewhere, yes, experience is a plus, but honesty and kind of integrity of what your knowledge is and what you'd be willing to learn is so key. Door, it will open doors if you're just honest and say, listen, here's my strengths. And here's where I'm weak, but I promise you, I'm going to study really hard. And, you know, will you help me learn? You know, gosh, you got it. No problem. You know, Ugh. hire for attributes, train for skills. This is something we talk about a lot, a lot, a lot. It's got to be why, who, before, what and how. All the details yeah. stuff. If you have the experience, we can figure it out. If you're full of shit, I can never help you. I just can't. Yeah. I can't do anything about yeah. that. So I appreciate hearing that. Real quick from each of you, uh, we got the airport. We got a new bar program coming. I think I remember hearing about lunch coming. Jason, thing you're most excited about for uh, guests to experience? What's, what's a little something we have to look forward to if we come down to Catavella? Honestly, it's not even just about the, the future for when it comes to guests. I want them to be excited every day when they come in. 
If you, I don't care. Right now, we're only open Tuesday through Saturday. We want to be open seven days a week, which is why we're trying to hire and struggling with it. We don't have enough space to do it. But, you know, I, I don't think about it from, okay, what can our guests be excited about four months from now with what's going on with the business? I want them to be excited every time they step foot in our doors. Yeah, I appreciate that because look, I'm coming today to spend my hard-earned money with you. I don't want the vision for four months from now. I want today. So I, I completely appreciate that. Elise, anything else? Anything else that's happening in the kitchen? You mentioned Zuri, one of my favorite people as well. Uh, we should have totally had him and his hair come in for a cameo real quick. Uh, uh, anything else that they're cooking up right now that you're just like, this is fire. This is why we do what we do. Anything you're excited about from the kitchen? Well, um, one thing, Zuri's going to be on Chopped. Um, he's been on Guy's Groceries before, and he's won that, I think. I think he won it once, and then I think he yeah. got, like, runner-up on another occasion. But they've asked him to be on Chopped, and he's so excited. Um, so he Zuri always makes for good TV. That is one entertaining does. guy. He, he leaves this Sunday to be on Chopped, so I'm so, so proud of him. You know, he's just super excited. And uh, it's kind of like the – the, the the best of the best for this competition. So um, if he if he wins this, then um, I don't know. He's like the best chop for the year. I don't know. Nice. Um, but we're just we're just proud of him anyway, and he's he's just so good. Um, but the other thing is that last year we did you know a crawfish bowl. We were shut down for COVID. Um, you know COVID was nobody could dine in. It was just a drag, and people were so depressed. And so that's when I was like, you know what? I'm going to bring a little bit of fun and happiness to the people, you know, during like it was June, early June when I did it, um, having a crawfish bowl. And so even though people couldn't dine in, we created these kits and they came by and picked up their 10 pounds of crawfish and corn and undoing. We made prawlings and they had hurricanes and stuff. And we sold out like we sold out. So this year I'm doubling down. I'm driving back down to my home state, Louisiana, getting 5,000 pounds of crawfish. Let's go. Yeah, and I have a real Cajun trio band, and he sings in Cajun French. He's going to be playing outside in front and also touring kind of inside Catabella. We're going to be shutting her down for normal Catabella service, and then for two days, we're going to have a big old crawfish and what's called a fade dodo, you know, which is a Cajun dance party, and having people coming in and just kind of celebrating that we're really kind of pushing through this COVID stuff and just having a good time. So that's uh, May 15th and 16th. So. Okay, we're going to make sure a couple things. We'll make sure and link that into the comments. We'll make sure and link Zuri's episode into the comments for sure. Uh, make sure when you take that road trip, I know you will because you're strong when it comes to social. Tag Best, at Besser Podcast and whatever you do. We'd love to, to see that journey. And then I really want a video of, uh, of Jason doing a little Cajun dance because I don't know if you know this, but Jason, real big fan of dancing. I'll leave it at that. <laughs> you guys. <laughs> okay. Okay. Fun. Unbelievable episode. I am so happy the two of you together. Uh, we'll check back in with you because, again, this is one of those rare success stories in this moment where uh, you guys are so aligned. And I think that's important. We need to have that shared vision almost more than anything else. So thanks. We'll let the two of you go. You guys get back to the uh, to the restaurant. I know the team needs you. Thank you so much. Thanks, Jen. Thanks so much. Yeah. All right, everybody. Awesome episode. We'll kind of wrap with that. Big, big takeaway for me. I love that Elise got into that at the end. Hire for attributes, train for skills. We really need to reflect on this. I ask a lot of people in the industry, what is it that makes a great coworker, an employer, an employee? It's all attributes. It's honesty. 
right? It's integrity, as Elise mentioned. It's it's team player, teachable, uh, hardworking, uh, punctual. Like these are all attributes, and we need to really focus on those. Because then I ask a similar question: What does it take for pay raises or promotions? And it's all commoditized skill, commoditized skill, commoditized skill. What's the return on investment for the restaurant? Yet we need to really understand that it's important to invest in those attributes because it builds a long-term strong team and that's so important because too often the highest paid person has all those skills yet they're the biggest asshole on the team and nobody wants to work with them we have to reflect on that that's it i wanted to make sure and get that in thank you so much once again workplace is worth working you're going to hear more and more and more about that we really want to focus on that and it's built on give a shit about people we have to focus on the people internally and externally if we have an opportunity so besser podcast 307, a rare hiring success story. And I'm excited that Jason and Elise and Zuri are working together. So that is it for today's episode. Thank you all, as always, for tuning in. Cheers. Thanks for listening to the Best Served Podcast. Subscribe to our show and connect with us on social media at Best Served Podcast. Tune in next week to discover more unsung hospitality heroes.